0: That's God's Word for us this morning, church. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning just um, asking your blessing over this time. Pray that you would just bless um, our time together. God, that you would, you would change our hearts and our minds, God, according to your Word. That through this, this passage, we would see that We've not simply been reconciled to you by the blood of Jesus, but we've been commanded to, to seek reconciliation with others because the gospel is changing our life every day. I pray that if we don't understand that, we would begin to, to be changed by you. We'd be sanctified by your word this morning, which is truth. I pray that you would lead us. God, as, as, as we look at, at this word, um, Lord, that we would, we would go out and faithfully proclaim every bit of your word. We would... We would lead people to You. We would uh, pray for people to be changed by You. That You would draw them to Yourself. God, that we would would seek out their reconciliation with You. God, we would point them to the cross where Jesus paid it all, if they believe. We would point them to the reconciliation found in the Son that brings us back into Your arms. I pray that as, as we begin to grasp that and point people to that, that we too, God, would be peacemakers seeking to speak the truth in love but never compromise the truth. God, lead us in this time as we look to Your Word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've been going through this series with the basics, some, some just basic understandings of the Christian faith, but all having to do with implications of the gospel. So oftentimes what we do is, and all of us do it, myself being the, the front runner of, of the one who wants to lead this charge, is we look at the gospel and it's this good news that saves us, and then we forget about the joy and the sanctification and the works that should flow out of true salvation, but what we begin to understand when we read the Scriptures is that it's because of the Gospel that our life has changed. It's because of the Gospel that we begin to view people and, and um, the world and, and our families and our relationships and our work ethic. Everything begins to be shaped and molded or reconfigured because of the Gospel. Because we've been given life, because our, our dead flesh has been given life through Jesus Christ, we begin to live like it. And it changes everything. So today, particularly talking about reconciliation, it changes the way we view and interact with people, especially our enemies. So the main point for us this morning is that reconciliation with God demands we seek reconciliation with others. Reconciliation with God demands that we seek reconciliation with others. Now this is a super difficult thing as, as, as we begin to dive in, so I, I just want you all to be encouraged that I'm, I'm praying for all of us as we progress through this text because this is, this is very difficult, it is very radical compared to the way that uh, our nature has been set up and our depravity, that we are relearning everything that we've been taught if indeed we've trusted in Christ our Savior. The points I, I want to, to use to drive this home as we progress through reconciliation with God, demanding we seek reconciliation with others. That's, that reconciliation is selfless, it's exhaustive, but it's possible. Selfless, exhaustive, and possible. And possible. From West Virginia, I don't choose, chew tobacco, but sometimes when you get that and possible, I get my, my mumble, and it sounds like i got something going on. Selfless, exhaustive, possible. Thank goodness for... Uh, screen behind us, right? So we start out here with selfless. Verses 14 through 17 is where we're going to zoom in and and just focus on. And 19 through 21. 18 is not getting left out. We're not cutting it out of the Bible. That's going to go with uh, point number two. But first, selfless. Selfless. These are the types of passages that just make us cringe, right? It's so difficult to understand not that, that we should be selfless, but that we should be selfless and, and sacrificially serving the enemy. We're not talking about the, the person who, who does good to you. We're talking about those who even hate you. Like, if, if I could have pulled a, a Jefferson and, and copied and pasted anything out of the Bible, it would be the part where I have to love my enemy. I've talked about this um, uh, several times, and you know, some of you come up and pat me on the back and feel so bad. My dad still feels bad about this, but I remember as a kid, my dad really liked laying down like, this, this moralistic law for me that, that you aren't starting any more fights, Michael. You're not going to do it. So I'll tell you what, even if the kid around the corner smacks you in the face, you're going to take it. I thought it was crazy, but I was like, that'll never happen, so it's all right. I'll never have to deal with that. One day on the bus, you know where the story's going if you haven't heard it yet, we, some words were exchanged, and we get off the bus, and I'm just remembering, Dad said, don't fight. Dad said, don't fight. Dad said, don't fight. And this kid finally figured it out. There was something different about me, right? Where he's like, he's not poking back. Like, I'm, I'm easy to poke. And I got smacked across the face, and I thought, it happened, it happened, and I like just Clenched up and I got home and I called my dad and I said, you said it wouldn't. You told me to do this. You told me to do this. And he's like, how's it feel? And I'm like, not good. And he's like, you won't ever have to do that again. And I'm like, good. But the Bible tells us that we are to care for our enemy. Now, I'm not talking about physical fights here. We're not going into Muhammad Ali sermon this morning. But what it does say in verse 14 is that we are to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. It's already radical. Paul's dealt in the first 11 chapters and here in Romans, doctrine, 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 heavy, heavy stuff. Very heavy. Chapter 12 is where it turns and gets very practical for us, which is very difficult for us who lean heavy on doctrine because now we've got to apply it. And not only do we have to apply it, but we're realizing that the application is very radical. Living like a Christian is very radical. And it says there, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. This requires a radical change, which at New Hill is one of our values, that we be radically renewed. We don't want to live like the old. We want to live like the new, the life that we've been given through Jesus Christ and Him alone. This requires a radical change. And everything has to do with the radical saving in which our Savior has given to us. All of this, verse, or point number three, possible, is going to be just kind of throughout the whole message. But all of this, our selfless character, loving and blessing those who persecute you, is going to come because we understand the goodness of God in sending His Son that while we were still sinners, He died for us. We were not friends of God. We were enemies. At war against Him. Hating and opposing the Creator of all things. But He died for His people. And then here, bless those who persecute you. Not the, the guys at, at work, the ladies at work that, that buy you lunch and they, they bring it to you. No, we're talking about the people who are like, hey, do you all want anything? You guys can take care of yourself, right? The, the ones who never care for you, never look to you, just seem to despise you. Says those are the people we, we bless. We do not persecute. We do not curse them. Let's continue with this, this radical, selfless living. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This requires that we do life together, but also in another selfless way. That when your brother or sister in Christ receives a promotion, when you just lost your job, that you would find a way to rejoice with them and not be envious of them. It's radical and it's selfless. And in true biblical fellowship and true biblical community, not only would you rejoice with them, but in sharing the news of you losing your job, they would find a way to weep with you. Because that's what we do as a family. But it's selfless because the world may never get down to our level and say, I feel for you. But we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be there for one another. It requires doing life together. There's nothing like an old family friend or old um, friend or family member. I go back home to West Virginia and it's like, hey, did you see that about, uh, you heard about like Aunt Hattie, right? And I'm like, did I hear about, and, like you just kind of like nod and you're like, I'm supposed to know this. They gave me some information. And you're like, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I can't believe she's like in prison now, and you're like, "Wait, what?" And they're like, "I thought you knew." And it's like, "No, I didn't know." And they're like, "I posted it on Facebook. How do you? You don't keep up with the family?" And it's like, "Facebook is not where my family lives, right? We have to do life together, and we've done it within our church too. That instead of saying, "Hey, hey, TJ, I, I need, I need prayer, brother," instead of just, "TJ, this is some stuff that's going on in my life," "Hey, Jared, this is some stuff that's going on in my life," we'll throw it out into Facebook where some things there's an algorithm out there that I would say that is out there to divide us, and we don't see these things, and then we wonder why we're like left on an isolated island, but it, we've never gotten on the island to begin with. We as a church must be doing life together. That's why groups are important. Even now when we don't have a few running per week and everybody getting to come together and the kids getting to come together in groups and families uh, doing group together. We need to find a way to do life with one another because we are supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But if we all live on our own separate island, we'll never know how to pray or care for one another. And people will not know how to pray or care for us either. This is a selfless way of living. Continues on, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Do not be proud. Do not be arrogant. Do not lean on your own understanding. Church, this is why I, I am scared to death for anybody who gets up at the pulpit, and I, I worry about it a lot, but I am, I am confident in what goes on here at New Hill Church because we lean on the Word, and if we don't see that, then let us step back and pray about it. We go through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, as often as we can. It's called expository preaching. And what it does is it takes the pressure off of having to make something fit into it when what we're doing in expositing the text is bringing out what the Word says so that we don't lean on our own understanding. When we go out and we share this good news, the reason it's important to study doctrine is so that we would know God and understand God and what He wants from His people, and we can share it when we go out and we share the gospel, when we have a good grasp on the gospel, that we've been reconciled back to God, and because we've been reconciled to Him, we can be reconciled to one another, then it changes the way that we go and we share. Where we don't lean into our own understanding, we do not lean into our own wisdom or knowledge, which we're going to talk about in the next couple weeks. But we would lean on God and His Word. Not being haughty, but being humble. Never wise in our own sight selfless, and it's radical. Verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is not talking about the friendly person. This is not talking about those who you've already been reconciled to. You've got no reason to to even reconcile in the first place. That we wouldn't take it into our own hands, whether it be vengeance, whether it be by word or deed, that we would do all things that are honorable in the sight of all. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This is so selfless. This is so sacrificial. This is a sign of the salvation which God has bestowed upon us. That He's brought us into. He's reconciled us back to Himself through the Son. And we can be reconciled back to one another through selfless living. And selfless living, church, this reconciliation, it's exhaustive. Point number two. It's exhausting, but it's also exhaustive. We are to exhaust all of our efforts into this. This isn't, oh, well, I tried. I did a a little bit. But it's exhaustive. You go as far as you can to reconcile when we understand how far the links that God went coming in the, our flesh, fully God and fully human, to take on the penalty of His people, it changes our perspective of the limits we will go for others. It's exhaustive. Verse 18. We, we will beat ourselves up. We will feel bad because people walk away from us mad at us. But when we speak the truth in love, and we know that we spoke the truth, and that's the limit we went. Hey, I spoke the truth in love. Then we're given some encouragement here. Paul says, if possible, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. If and so far as. So if it's possible, church, there are times when we speak the truth where it will draw a a big line in the sand of division where people will say, no, absolutely not. I I reject the Gospel. I do not believe that God is that way. I do not believe that God um, will send anybody to hell. And if you believe that, you stay on that side. When you speak the truth, God's Word, and people despise you and don't want anything to do with you, You've done nothing wrong. You've spoke the truth. If you've spoke it in love. But, as long as the ball is in your court, you are to reconcile that relationship. You are to pray for opportunity for that relationship to be reconciled. You should pray that God would soften their heart to the Gospel and say, God, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm speaking Your Word to them. I pray that it would soften their hearts. And I pray that that we would be reconciled even if they don't believe and aren't reconciled to You, that I could be a light in their life because You may be the only light that they've ever had. But when we speak the truth and they walk away, don't feel like you did something when you speak the truth. But He says here, if and so far as. RC Sproul says this the christian is a peacemaker by obligation and aim harmony though is not always possible since truth divides as well as it unites but when the ball that, that word the greek word therefore possible would have to do with power as long as the power when you if we push people away there's a difference but when we share the gospel and, and share the truth, what we're trying to do is invite them in to be reconciled not simply to us, but to God. And when they don't like that, we seek reconciliation. If they don't want anything to do with you, you pray for them and pray that they'd be reconciled to God. But as long as the ball is in our court, we need to, to aim for peace. Aim and seek for peace with the people. Look at Acts chapter 4. This is Peter and John dealing with some scrutiny for for speaking the truth. What were they speaking about? They were speaking about the gospel. And in verse 17 of Acts chapter 4 But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. They thought Jesus was done, right? He'd been buried. Whatever happened to him, it happened to him. It's over. But then this man gets healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus' ministry is clearly continuing. So it says, in order that this may spread no further, to stop the gospel, they said, don't speak to anybody about this anymore. There's a little bit of division. It says in verse 18, So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you uh, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They further threaten them and they don't back down. Church, the world needs truth. The world needs to be reconciled to God. Our efforts, even if... They seem to despise us. Our efforts must be exhaustive. And you will get exhausted in putting forth the effort. But it is fruitful. It is is a sign of holiness. And it will surely lead to a great reward. God will not forget the faithfulness of blessing those who persecute you. Trying and aiming to reconcile them. Not simply in our own understanding, but reconcile them to the good news of Jesus Christ and to be reconciled to God through the Son. And all of this is possible. Point well, number three, it's possible. Sometimes we sit and we look and we're like, there is no hope for that person. Well, church, without Jesus and His intervention in our life, there was no hope for us. All of this is possible. Our reconciliation to others is possible and should be sought after because of Jesus and what He did for us. We're going to end here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is possible. This reconciliation, there's, there's nothing that cannot be fixed. And there's nothing that we should not pray to be fixed, even for our enemy, that we would be reconciled to them, that we would have the opportunity to point them to Jesus. But Second Corinthians 5, verse 16 and on, it says, "...from now on, we, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer." God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And doing these things, seeking out reconciliation, because the reconciliation we found in the Son to be redeemed back into the arms of the Father is good news that should be shared and sought after in our personal relationships. It's possible because of Jesus. We should not give up on our enemy. What does it say? It says in verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Can you forget about... Can you forgive? Not simply forget. Forgive. Let it go. What your enemy did. It's not right. Amen, church? It is not right when the enemy... The person at work attacks you, belittles you. It's not right. But for the sake of the gospel, we would not hold it over their head, but we would point them to the reconciliation that, that we should seek out in our relationship with them so that they could see the goodness of God. Speak the truth in love. If and so far as, in verse 18, Romans 12, when the ball is in your court, you speak the truth, but you do it in love in hopes that they would be reconciled to God. And we seek, we exhaust every effort to reconcile ourselves to one another. It's possible because of Jesus. And it's truly, church, not an option. Reconciliation with God demands we seek reconciliation with others. We've been given the ministry, Paul says, of reconciliation to go and to share this good news so that people might be reconciled back to the Father? Not, not simply to get two tickets to paradise up to heaven and, and they get this glorious destination where they receive these glorified bodies and there's no sin anymore. Church, would we, would we, would we go to the, the most nasty place if it meant we could be in the presence of God? Would we go to the slums if it meant we could be in the presence of God? See, the question isn't do you want to go to heaven? The question is do you want to be redeemed and reconciled back to the Father, the Creator and Sustainer of all things? That's the question we must ask. We must point people back to the Lord. We must seek their reconciliation with Him. It's the ministry each and every one of us has been given this morning. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. I've got just two challenges here this morning. First off, who's that, that person you're just like, I need to reconcile with them this morning. We're not, not going to have like a, a hangout up in the front like you've got to come up and do it before you know, the whole church and both of you down on your knees and, and praying with one another. If you want to do that, cool. But who's that one person this week you just need to reconcile with? It doesn't mean you all need to come to like, hey, I was wrong and you were right, but hey, we shouldn't be living in division. I care about you. We need to reconcile. And it's possible because of Jesus. Secondly, another thing that the Southern Baptist Convention has been doing is this effort of who's your one? Who's the one person you want to see reconciled to God that you need to share the Gospel with? Don't, don't think of all, like, oh, there's this whole group that I'd love to see. No, who's the one? Who has God placed in your life and given you influence in their life that you could share this good news in hopes and prayer that that they would be reconciled to the Father because of the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. As we look to Easter, I, I I pray that we would be thinking of that one and inviting them. Not to get them to church, but to get them to the Father. That we would seek not just their attendance, but we would seek out their salvation. That we would pray for them earnestly praying for them in their soul that God would draw them to Himself. So who do you need to reconcile with this week? And who do you want to see see reconciled to the Father through the Son? Church, we're going to sing some more songs and I just pray that we would just lift up a joyful noise to the Lord this morning. Because if you are a believer, you've been reconciled. And you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So if you're here and and you're not a believer, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, let me give into the ministry that God's given to me and all of us and explain that apart from Him, there's eternal hell. Not annihilation, not, not a place of simple discomfort, it's separation out of the presence of God. There is no holiness there, there is gnashing of teeth I knew I shouldn't have gone to the Southern Baptist Church. Look, it's from the Bible. And, and I know that there's this line being, being drawn by speaking truth, but let me tell you, I love you. I want to do life with you. Whoever you are and you're like listening to this, we want you here. We want you hearing these things. We want Jesus to change your life. But that happens by sharing the Word boldly and praying that God would do what only God can do let's stand, church, we're going to sing up a song, and let me just pray for us this morning that the Word would continue to impact our heart. And I would encourage you, if you've got kids in the bigs class, we they always have a lesson on their level that goes with the message, but I would, this week, dig a little deeper. This is something the kids can, can grasp, reconciliation, all the, the things that they could take and apply to their life, and hopefully, lead them to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, You are good. You are gracious. You are merciful. You, Yourself, are grace. You are mercy to us. I pray that as we leave here this morning, we would continue thinking and reflecting on the fact that while we were sinners, we weren't friends of Yours. You died for us. God, that that would would bring the sinner into the arms of the Father seeing the need to to believe and trust and surrender their life on the finished work of Jesus. The finished work of the cross. And that it would impact our life to seek out reconciliation with others. In all of our life. Because You've reconciled us to Yourself. Because we've been saved. Because you regenerated our hearts. We would go out and live and point people to You through the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, I pray that you would draw people to yourself. God, I pray that each and every person here, a believer, would would go and to share this good news this week. We would reconcile with, with those who we just have some hard times with. God, that we would, we would seek out people's reconciliation with you. God, that you would be honored and you would be glorified. That you would do the saving. God, that you would give each and every believer here the words to say that we would not lean on our own wisdom. We would not be proud, but we would be humble. And we would point people to You and Your goodness. Father, we love You and praise You. Just ask that You would just be with the rest of this time. That You would hear this song and receive it as we lift up a joyful noise. And that You would bless the offering this morning. You would multiply it for our good and for Your glory. And and that for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, Lord, that You would just bless all the um, the missionaries here in North America, all the church planters, God, that, that each and every dollar would just go and advance the kingdom. Father, we love you and we praise you and ask all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.